Welcome to the show. This is the PMDD podcast, and my name is Adriana Tanto. Before we jump into this amazing episode, I would just like to friendly remind everyone to please ensure that they subscribe or follow or whatever it is that you need to do to stay up to date with upcoming episodes on your listening platform. Also, please make sure that you give us a follow at the Instagram page at the underscore PMDD podcast. Now, Let's get into the disclaimer and the episode. I am warning listeners that there may be sensitive topics surrounding mental health and health procedures. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. I am really looking forward to introducing my next guest, who is Jalan Chelan. Uh, she is a psychologist uh, based in Melbourne at the moment. And the reason we have connected is when I was thinking about having guests for the show, I wanted to ensure that I, I brought on a range of different professionals and psychologists have played a pivotal role in my therapy and the way that I've become symptom free. And, and, I, and I Google searched psychologists PMDD. And it just turns out that the practice that Jalan works at um, had some blog posts about PMDD. So I am super excited to, uh, to welcome you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Let's first start with, so you are a psychologist based in Melbourne. Correct. Yeah. And I just wanted to confirm, you do not have PMDD. No, I don't. No. Okay, great. Awesome. So let's let's talk about where you begun with psychology because I always love to, you know, I always like to understand how you sort of got into this niche space. And obviously you may not all, you know, serve all your patients have PMDD, but let's let's start let's start with how you began in the psychology world. Um, so I've been in psychology since 1998. First, I did undergrad as a, um, for my major in university in Istanbul at Boğaziçi University. Then I did my master's degree there, clinical psychology, that I worked a little bit. And then I decided that I want to really do this properly. And that was the training and education that my professors at the university had. So I pursued a clinical psychology doctoral degree in the US. So I ended up going to um, New York City, uh, Long Island University, Brooklyn campus and studied clinical psychology there. And I got my PhD in 2013. At the time, I was also in the process of moving from New York City to Melbourne because my husband got a job here. So then I found myself in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia as a psychologist. It took a while until I found my grounding there, you know, a little bit of like having an overseas degree and getting accredited, et cetera. But also like I, uh, I had a baby, you know, spent a little bit quality time with a new one. And then um, I found my clinic, the clinic that I'm working at the time. 
uh, right now, video psychology. And that was like the second phase of my career, I might say, where, you know, being a trainer, being a student was left behind. And I was like more mature psychologist, I guess. So um, basically my um, areas of focus so far have been anxiety, depression, uh, borderline personality disorder, um, you know, coping with chronic mental health issues such as bipolar, and also uh, lots of cross-cultural issues, uh, acculturation, immigration, and relationships. So uh, about a year, uh, about two years ago, uh, I began to see some patients who are coming up with uh, coming to me with relationship issues or emotional dysregulation problems, but they also tell me that they've been recently diagnosed, either self-diagnosed or by a GP, that they have PMDD. And like asking me if whether or not I can provide treatment for the PMDD specifically. So I dig in a little bit and I'm very like open and honest with my patients. I'm like, I don't have any expertise in PMDD. I don't know what to do about this. So I'm very, very sorry. I can try and work on the other issues that you're bringing to me, but PMDD is not my thing. So they're like, okay, there's, you know, there's a program at Monash. I will try that, this or that. But in a few weeks, they come back. Because, well, the wait list is like, I think, two years. So I can't wait two years. Help me. Wow. And I'm like, okay. And then I kind of reflect on it a little bit. And I'm thinking, well, this is a condition. It's a chronic condition. What do we do to cope with a chronic condition? And that starts my journey to focus on PMDD, beginning to work with women and helping them to be able to continue to live their lives at somewhat normal way while going through this horrible seven to 10 days in their lives every mm. month. Mm. I actually was doing a little bit like homework before we got together. And I looked at Johns Hopkins Medicine's website about, you know, and did a little research there about PMDD. And they list in total 40 eight symptoms of PMDD, 48. Wow. I have a breakdown for you. 18 psychological, seven GI, three skin issues, seven neurological and vascular, um, four chronic problems that increase uh, problems around fluid retention, two respiratory Eye complaints, vision changes such as, or infection, eye infection. And the, <laughs> my favorite category, other seven symptoms. Wow. So hang on, the second one that you just spoke about, what did you say, GI? What does that yeah, say? Uh, gastrointestinal. Ah. Yep. Yep. Can you imagine 48 different symptoms? So in on that website, does it tell you that you must present X amount to sort of yes, be kids? right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it says, you know, over the course of a year, during most menstrual cycles, five or more of the following symptoms must be present. Depressed mood, anger or irritability, trouble concentrating, lack of interest in activities was once enjoyed, moodiness, increased appetite, insomnia or the need for more sleep 
feeling overwhelmed or out of control. Other physical symptoms, the most common being belly bloating, breast tenderness, and headache. Mm. Yeah. Wow. 48. I haven't seen that that long of a list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to this it's day. quite a big challenge to face basically every 21 days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, from um, because as you know, so many women and AFAB out there are misdiagnosed. Well, they have been, right? So that mm-hmm. we're generally we're misdiagnosed as bipolar. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a, a, like what is bipolar? So what's the difference between PMDD and bipolar? Very good question. And also we might differentiate not just bipolar, but also major depressive disorder. So mm. um, bipolar is a chronic condition, a uh, mental health issue where which presents itself with extreme highs and lows in a cyclical way but it wouldn't be explained by the hormonal changes that a w- woman would go through in their menstrual cycle. Mm. Also, usually uh, in the bipolar, the manic and depressive phases of the illness, the onsets are not as rapid as you would see in a 21 cycle day. Also with the manic episodes, it's a very you know, distinct presentation where there's a little bit of high energy happiness uh sometimes like this delusional sense of uh narcissism also uh, belief in abilities capabilities impulsivity spending too much money whereas what we see in women with pmdds around the menstrual cycle in those in that period they get very very depressed they're very moody flat also very anxious irritable uh, so i mean it's it's clearly two different things into for a professional but maybe uh, in the past uh, doctors misdiagnosed because women talk about these like ups and downs ups and downs ups and downs that being the buzzword and when you when we hear up and down it's like ah huh, is it cyclical is it this i think sometimes also women are misdiagnosed as borderlines mm-hmm. because they're very irritable they're very agitated they're very emotional they're very dysregulated and that uh, that representation impacts their interpersonal relationships very, very negatively. So they come in and talk about, oh my God, I'm so irritable, so moody. I can't stand my boyfriend, my partner, my this, my that. And then, you know, I'm having issues in relationships. I can't regulate my emotions. And then, yes, you're borderline, which uh-huh. is such a big stigma I think among women because you know it's such a stigmatized diagnose, diagnosis where you're like oh you're crazy borderline such and such. 100% and I remember before I went on the journey with my PMDD diagnosis I was so scared to be diagnosed with bipolar or borderline mm-hmm. or something I was so scared because I thought oh wow you know, I, as much as it, you know, the aware, like having a name to it and everything was probably going to give, you know, give some sort of relief or something, but I was so scared to be named as having one of those conditions. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's been really, it's been really important to, um, 
uh, explain the the differences between those conditions. Yep. Now, in terms of your experience with your clients, something that I'm always really intrigued about is is that now obviously you have a small sample of people from the wider <laughs> from the wider world of people you know women afab that have been diagnosed but do you see a correlation between your clients is there something that's presenting in all of them um yeah i'm always intrigued to see um, I think what I see uh, as a common theme is also has that that common theme has also informed how how I developed my own intervention, my own techniques uh, to help my patients to cope with the PMDD. So I'm a clinical psychologist and I'm not a medical doctor. So for me, when I'm in the room, I can't do anything about the hormonal imbalance. I can't make any recommendations around uh, medicine or other IUD type of or birth control pills type of like interventions. What I have is a reality. So what I, the way I formulated for myself is that PMDD is a chronic condition and it impacts you at many levels. It impacts your um, emotional world, how you feel how you're able to regulate yourself. And that also further impacts how you live your life and how you are in interpersonal relationships, be mm-hmm. it romantic relationship, be it parent, uh, parental relationship, uh, work, partnership, etc. So because I see it as a chronic condition that impacts one's emotional regulation and as a consequence, their relationships, I began to talk about it with my patients uh, by using the language of the DBT. So it's funny that this is not borderline, but I thought, well, you know, uh, borderline is also a condition that lots of people live with, but they still maintain good, high-functioning lives. How? You know, with the D, with the help of DBT. DBT is Marshall Linehan's genius work that works on uh, borderline personality disorder. It's called the dialectical behavior therapy, mm-hmm. and the whole idea is to develop strategies and skills to cope with stress, or develop skills and strategies to manage relationships. Mm-hmm. So, the way I present it to my patients is that. PMDD is a reality in your life. It's real. It's valid. For ten, seven to 10 days, you feel like another person. You feel like crazy. You feel like, you know, you can't do anything. You're overwhelmed. You're very depressed or very anxious. You can't trust your own brain. Mm. This is a reality. I can't change what's going on. You need to see a doctor for that. You need to see a naturopath or an acupuncturist. But what I can offer is if we can understand the manifestation, the unique manifestation for you, then we can formulate it as a stressor. And then we can work on skills and strategies that will improve your ability to tolerate that distress. So that's the language I'm borrowing from the DBT where how can we improve your stress tolerance? Because this is a stress in your life. This is a reality. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's it's um 
Yeah, it's interesting. Before we started talking, I I really wanted to highlight the fact that um, a couple of episodes I had uh, Dr. Peter Mejia on here, who was an acupuncturist, and he he said it so well that you know it's we we need a team of people um, when it comes to PMDD. You know, you're very lucky if you only need one person, but, um, and, and, and you've recognized obviously that, you know, you have a specific um, way of being able to help your clients treat um, this from a, you know, psychological point of view, but, you know, listeners out there, it's great to have a psychologist, but also it's so important to have so, um, you know, to have other doctors and professionals on board to to sort of treat this. Um, So can you maybe give us a bit of a, a, maybe a scope or, or, you know, a a bit more of an understanding of DBT and maybe some, maybe just, you know, a couple of take-homes or whatever that um, listeners that listen yeah, absolutely because i think it's so you know it's pmd pmdd or not we always suffer from stress at times so i think this yes. is going to be valid for anybody listening yes uh, can't agree more especially considering the times that we're going through so the basically the essence of uh dbt is that um it, it provides a guideline to us in order to reduce the severity of any symptom and the impact of it, and also gives us tools to manage interpersonal relationships. So earlier you asked me about uh, what kind of correlation do I see? What I see is that some sort of emotional dysregulation and that dysregulation impacting interpersonal relationships. So what I do is first address the emotional aspect you know, this, you know, that broad category of saying, you know, psychological symptoms such as irritability, nervousness, agitation, anger, uh, depression, flat mood, um, yeah, flat mood, anxiety, uh, moodiness. Those are the things that I first address, mm. you know, and so these are, these are going to be there. It's going to be part of your life on those days. And it's a stressor. How do we improve our ability to tolerate this distress? One, it's going to sound very boring and old school, but it's deep breathing. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but you know, I, but I can sell you why it helps. <laughs> Please do, and uh, you know what? As as before, you even said it. I'm like, she's going to say something about breath work in one of the things, hundred <laughs> percent. Because every healer, everyone that I see is like. Adriana, you just need to breathe. You need to yes. breathe. So breathe. please, yes, please talk more about this. But do you know why it works? It's not because it's this new age, you know, hippie idea that you need to just breathe. No, it's not that. There is a physiological rationale behind it. So us, you know, uh, homo sapiens, you know, we've evolved on savanna while animals chasing us, you know, hunters, gatherers, right? So our nervous system is still pretty primitive. So in our brains, we have the fight or flight response. So whenever we're facing a danger, fight or flight is flicked. That means it's a set of uh, physiological responses in our body that maintains that response so that we can run for our lives or we can fight back. But it's just that mechanism that keeps you alive if a wild bear is chasing you. 
when we're in the midst of a stressor, be it the PMDD or, you know, an assignment due, a fight with your boss, you know, your kid, you know, and not being annoying because refuses to, you know, comply with them remote learning. <laughs> it's, it's a stress mm. and the same, you know, network in your brain is switched off. It's the same system. But the thing is, there is no wild animal chasing you. It's your thoughts. It's the situation. And because the switched is on, that means for your brain, you know, okay, we're in danger. We're going to either fight or flee the scene. That means we need high blood pressure because your legs are going to need blood to be able to run or fight. You know, heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes up, stress hormones such as cortisol release into the bloodstream. So you're ready to go, but nowhere to go. It's just Mm -hmm. your kid is screaming. It's not, you can, you know, it's not the same thing. Deep breathing helps because in order to short circuit this positive feedback loop, we call it positive feedback loop because, you know, brain turns it on, blood pressure goes up. As it goes up, it increases the heart rate, heart rate increase, more higher blood pressure. It's just, they just, you know, reinforce each other. We need to short circuit it. How do you short circuit it? Deep breath. Because when you do deep breathing, you know, seven to 10 for two minutes, however you do it, you're going to lower the heart rate. Once the heart rate goes down, the brain can be smart, but also very primitive is like, ah, we can't be in danger. Heart rate is going down, not in danger, shuts it down. Mm. That's why deep breathing helps because you're able to offset that primitive physiological response to stress. Then finally, your brain is fully functioning. Then you can do other things to help with the stress. It's as if like when you're stressed in the height of it, you have the tunnel vision. Everything is small. You're just like running for your life. It's the survival. With the deep breathing, you're able to shut it down and open up this space where you can be like, oh, okay, now what do I do? What can I do? How do I resolve this? Mm. I'm very agitated. It's that time of the month. What do I do? Mm. Mm. Absolutely, and it, and it's it, it just yeah, it just calms you down. But also exactly that you what can I control in this moment, and what can't I control? And yes. If for me, when I come out, if I'm in a heightened state and I do my breath work, I, I, I then go into the, like, well, what's the next best step? Exactly. Yeah. And what yeah. was I doing? Oh, hang on. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think underneath all, and that comes from the stress tolerance modules of DBT as well, is the radical acceptance. Mm. Can you accept the fact that this is a part of your reality? This is part of your life. Unfortunately, you have to deal with this. It sucks. It's very painful. Yet you can survive. Mm. You will live. You can do this. You know, a little bit of cheerleadering there. Mm. Mm. Deep breath allows you to have that kind of space where like, okay, this sucks, but I can do this because here I have five minutes and I know what I can do. I know what can make me feel good. Then we dive into like really specific strategies with my patients where I talk about, okay, you know, 
uh, in the DBT, they call it the wise mind accepts, you know, mm. Marsha Linehan used these heuristics to make it easier for the, her patients to remember them. So wise mind accepts a for activities, contribution, comparisons, emotions, pushing away thoughts and changing sensations. Mm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And, you know, we go into all these other um, various options, pick and choose what works, what doesn't work. They try, come back. They, uh, it was a horrible idea. Did that work? Okay. Someone else is something else. Uh, another thing to reach out, out is uh, changing sensations, like with the five senses. Mm, that also yep. was always helpful, you know, uh, distracting activities, Um if it's a really, really um, severe state where you're like, you do the deep breathing, but it just comes back, you're feeling very, very overwhelmed. Then I talk about it like improving the moment, but literally the moment, just the next minute. Mm. What, what can I do just next minute? And then building, you know, each minute on top of the next so that you feel a little bit grounded. Yeah, absolutely. What would make me okay? What would make me feel okay in the next five minutes, in the next minute, you know? Absolutely. I think sometimes we think so big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do I need to do right now to change my whole life so it's better? It's like, right. you know, right. and, and I think it's really important that you, you, you um, touched upon the big A word, acceptance. Because we we just have we we blame it we point fingers at it it's you you know it's the PMDD it's like just accept the fact that you've got this condition and yeah once you and, and I love how you said radical um, acceptance so you have mentioned the R word quite a bit and that is relationships and I think as you said at first of all people were coming to you to resolve, be able to, you know, resolve their relationships and, and get some clarity and some strategies on how to do that. Now, put PMDD in the mix. Um, I, I can 100% guarantee that we have listeners out there saying, but how do I do this with my partner? So if you can give some clarity around that, that would be amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's the most challenging aspect of it because it just creeps into all types of relationships. But of course, uh, the most popular one is romantic relationships. I'm going to say, mm. you know, partnerships mm. is that, yeah. Um, so remember I said radical acceptance, radical acceptance, I think comes from being able to look inwards and say, okay, this is what I have. It's not great. It sucks, but I can go on with my life with this. I know things that work for me and I can live with this, you know? Mm. And when you have that kind of understanding, then when you're in a conflict with your partner, you know that some of the things you're bringing to the table has got nothing to do with the person or the relationship. So one thing I say is that, okay, all right, you have feelings and you want to lash out, snap, or go under the covers, can you first regulate that? Can you first sort out that emotion? Because we all have feelings. We're allowed to feel whatever we want. But whether or not we act on them, whether or not we you know, let them determine what we do, how we act on them, 
is crucial. I can be very happy. I'm, be, I'm so happy that I'm going to buy this car today, which I cannot afford. Mm, mm, mm. Is happiness okay now? Mm. I'm so mad at you, so I'm going to slap you. Is that mm. okay? No. It's not about anger or the happiness. It's what I do with it. So in that regard, I think one thing I tell my patients is that own up to the emotion, own up to the feeling. Yes, you feel very flat. You feel very angry. You feel very irritable, but acknowledge that and first try and regulate that and then decide whether or not you're, you want to pick this battle. And again, I'm going to go back to the DBT. That part of my work is improving the interpersonal effectiveness. I ask a couple of questions to my patients and also help them learn the, the set of questions themselves. So, you know, initially it's me in their head with my voice, like, what's the goal here? What's this? What's that? But eventually the hope is that they develop that voice in their heads. It's their own voice. You know, when you're in a conflict, you know, you ask yourself three basic things. What's my goal here? What am I trying to achieve? What am I trying to get out of this interaction? If I'm going to pick this battle with my boyfriend, what am I trying to get? Second, what's my value here? What am I trying to preserve as a personal value, but also as in my relationship? And finally, the relationship itself. How important it is to you, that relationship. Mm. How do you want that other person to feel about you after this interaction is over? It makes it also less personal, but it's more like, again, opens up this space where you feel more in control and be like, okay, what do I want to get out of this? Maybe I don't want to pick this battle. Yes, I'm very irritable. He's doing the wrong thing. You know what? It's not worth it. I'm going to go and do this to make myself feel better. You can go back to what he's doing wrong, maybe at a different time. I'm not saying give up, give up on it, but mm. maybe not now doesn't have to be now mm. so with that module i try to teach my patients that you know it's like a triangle how are you going to balance this triangle so that you can make an informed decision are you going to pick up that fight today now or can you just go grab a glass of water go for a walk and then come back to it oh so much valuable <laughs> strategy it's such a, val a valuable strategy there I'm just thinking like with my past relationship and everything I'm like wow if I had have just just taken it well taken a breath and <laughs> yes yes <laughs> first and just um thought about yeah just ask those questions mm -hmm. um I think they're so valuable um what other challenges do you find um when you're working with your patients the most challenging um presentation in my in my practice is when they come in and say i have i have all these cognitive problems like i can't concentrate i'm always feeling confused i'm fatigued i'm forgetful i can't sleep i feel like i'm making mistakes at my work and my job i can't trust my decisions you know, maybe, you know, um, at work, someone says such and such, and I get mad. I don't know if it's the PMDD or the situation, blah, blah, blah. I can't trust my brain. When patients come with that, I feel like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is hard. What do I do about this one? And of course, I do have some suggestions, recommendations, but I, as you've said earlier, 
um, you know, we need a team to address this issue. I feel like, yeah, I need a team here. You know, maybe I need a neuropsychologist or, you know, a neuroscientist, someone who's going to help me find good tools that will help someone who's struggling with forgetfulness, you know, Mm. seven days a month, you know, Mm. the way I address it. Okay. Well, let's come up with some strategies, techniques, you know, good to do lists or like taking breaks, being kind to yourself. Self-compassion is I think overall very important. You know, can you, Uh, not everyone has that kind of luxury, but if you can, can you schedule things around this, you know, Mm -hmm. big meetings or no big challenges, or can you take one day off at least? Can you be a little bit more flexible? But, you know, I feel like the best, I think advice is, can you be gentle with yourself? Can you be kind? Can you be compassionate? You know, I know it's every month. I know it's cyclical. I know it's unbearable. It sucks. But, you know, some some of us have like headaches and then we have bad days at work as well. You know, Mm. Mm. so. There is hope for us, right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, uh, please, no, don't undermine the hope. You know, hope is a very powerful tool in therapy you know Mm. if i if we cannot provide hope why why try you know of course there's hope yeah absolutely i I think my biggest take-home from all of this has been the radical acceptance i I think that you know it pmdd or not um it doesn't matter in any sort of situation or whatever sort of condition that you're going through um the radical um acceptance is such an important thing and i think that um oh yeah the deep breathing as well it's always a nice friendly reminder for for myself so thank you you have shared so much knowledge with us i am i'm so grateful can you please share with our listeners how people can get in touch with you because um you are in melbourne and i i'm sure that you're doing things all online at the moment so <laughs> any so really anybody can <laughs> can get in touch with you how do people find you okay uh so it's www uh, I'm going to say it in the English pronunciation, Ceylan Selan, C-E-Y-L-A-N-C-E-L-E-N.com. Perfect. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to definitely pop that in the show notes as well. So it's easily accessible to everyone. Oh my goodness, Jalen, it's been such a pleasure having you on. I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for being on the show. Pleasure. It's been lovely working with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please ensure that you like, subscribe, follow, or whatever it is that you need to do to keep up to date with new episodes on your podcast listening platform. If you would like to get in touch with me, please email me at thepmddpodcast at gmail.com. Please make sure that you follow our new home on Instagram, which is at the underscore PMDD podcast. Thank you so much again. I look forward to chatting with you soon. Much love.